All right, welcome to another episode of Porch Talk. This is your host, Alan, and today I have Colin Krigger on with me. Does Realtor with Remax here in Columbus. And Colin, thank you so much for being on with me today, man. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it, man. <laughs> yeah, man. So I'm, you're not originally from Columbus, right? No, sir. I'm uh, up here by way of Hurricane Katrina. I came up here, lived in uh, New Orleans most of my life, traveled okay. a little bit. Most of my formal life got married and moved to Biloxi, Mississippi and bought a house there in, in June. I think it was 2005, the year of Katrina. So, mm-hmm. house in New Orleans and uh, slid on over there to Biloxi and bought a house. And in case you were watching the news, that was a bad place to buy a house. <laughs> and uh, I, I was working for Papa John's Pizza as a supervisor down there and been offered a job up in North Mississippi. And they said you could live here or two below. Of course, I had never been to either one of them. I'd been right. to Oxford, but never been to either town. I was like, listen, man, we just moved to Biloxi from New Orleans. It's a culture shock. And I said, I don't want to mm-hmm. move to dang cow pasture, Mississippi. Mm-hmm. And uh, about 10 days later, I was looking for that guy's business card amongst the debris of my house. Right. <laughs> and uh, we settled up here within two weeks. And, okay. So it was almost immediately just right after Katrina? Yeah, right after we were up here. Like I said, I think 10 or 11 days after Katrina, we were living in downtown okay. Columbus. And so was that through Remax right there? Getting you? No, no, I was with Papa John's Pizza. So uh, at that time? Yeah, yeah. So how did real realtor work get involved with that? Uh, I had been messing with houses since I was 19 years old. Uh, I was, my wife and I bought a house down there that we were flipping to fix up. Yeah. And we were, when I was with Papa John's, I was thinking about getting my real estate license, but I had uh, uh, just never done it. And I flipped a couple of houses here. We moved to Oxford for two years with Papa John's. Okay. And then uh, we came back here, and I don't even know if you got this far in my history looking into me, but I uh, came back here in 2010 with another guy, and we bought into the packet. No. The weekly newspaper, we bought it from Roger Larson uh, in June of 2010. Now, I sold out of it four years ago. Oh, I didn't know that. four years ago. So that helps. that's a little why, into why I uh, care about the news and care about media and small business and news, news, news sort of stuff. But, okay. I didn't really have any, any other formal news training other than that. I worked for a little bit for my high school paper, but uh, it was just a good investment. We knew the guy that had it, and the packet's a crazy weekly paper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, not, I still buy them. <laughs> there's nothing wrong with it. No. I, I miss doing it. I miss meeting everybody and yeah. knowing the news first. It's, it's the headlines that always get you. It's that front page headline. Well, the hardest part about it, and by the way, the, the Columbus Packet is the largest weekly newspaper in Mississippi, and it's got the largest weekly newspaper audience of any newspaper that I know in the whole South. Wow. Um, over 10,000 issues a week, so it's a, it's a monster. Yeah. It's car wrecks and people getting shot and word-for-word mm-hmm. stories of what happened at those things. So, you know, I went into there being a marketing guy. I was a you know, marketing guy for Papa John's at that point, um, teaching people how to do, you know, advertise their businesses and I still help other people with that and I got in the newspaper game and we burned through like four editors within a few months nobody wanted to run the thing the guy mm-hmm. Roger Larson had been running it by himself forever he was you know no family just up 24 hours a day mm-hmm. so about six months into it I ended up running it I had to do that so I was up at 2.30 in the morning listening to the police scanner seeing dead bodies I saw a couple people get shot mm-hmm. you know getting big fights with arguments with politicians and people threatening me like every week and it was it was tough, but it was it was good because I was a, come from a sales background. So yeah. you know, I used to stay awake at night if somebody didn't like me. Yeah. You know, like well, how do you not like me? I'm amazing. Yeah. And now <laughs> I could care less. <laughs> you could scream in my face, and the next day I'd see you, and I want to be like, yeah. "Hey, what's up? Yeah, like, how you doing?" <laughs> yeah, because I would have people just want to kill me because they said that you know I had the wrong color car when I did a story about a car wreck. You know, and it was just 
Yeah, oh, tough, man. But man, I learned a lot about the area. You know, as I tell people, I saw the worst of what Columbus and the Golden Triangle had to offer every day for four years. People wow. getting shot, crime. I know where all the worst criminals were and all the dirty deeds that didn't make the paper from politicians. Mm-hmm. And I, I still chose to stay. You know, mm-hmm. I think there's enough good here and enough good in the in the deep South. You know? I'm from New Orleans, but New yeah. Orleans is not the South. It's its own thing. Yeah, yeah. I've spent a lot of time. Uh, we used to go down there and watch some of the Pelican games. Oh yeah. Yeah, we were, we're huge NBA fans, and uh, I check out the Saints this season. Drew Brees is on his way for record-setting years. Yeah. He's already broke one. Did he get the other one from Peyton yet? Yeah. Well, no, he's got to get the, he's got 30 more touchdowns. So it's probably not going to be this not year, this but, but then he'll have every record ever. So I'm glad he won't get it this year because maybe we'll, we'll squeeze one more year out of him. But he's having his best year ever. Yeah. 19 years in, I think. So. Yeah, I like the Saints, man. <laughs> yeah, I'm a fan. I've been a rabid fan since I was a little oh, kid. So. I, yeah, I imagine so. Have you been to some of the games down there? We've only been to one this year. Went to, went to three last year, and then I went to the playoff game last year. Oh, great. So uh, awesome. I snuck off. My I was down at a real estate conference down in Orange Beach the day before the playoff game, and my wife called. She's like, well, why don't you go ahead and go to the game? And I'm like, oh, cool. What a surprise. <laughs> She's like, oh, wait, you don't have your jersey. I'm like, I kind of, I kind of do. <laughs> I have my jersey. I got, <laughs> yeah, I got a twenty-year-old John four K jersey. So I got, oh wow. So I got a. I'm always ready for the game. I wasn't. I was sort of driving, driving home slow that day. Like, oh, maybe she'll call and say I can go. Yeah, and she did. And then they won. So it was a good game. Great. All right. So just what happened last week and talking about what's been going on with the mall and all that. If we can kind of dig into that. The mall, which part of the mall? The American Daily Store. The brawl at the mall? Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, first things first, the the mall is up for sale. I think the commercial dispatch is is working through to find out, but the mall, which is probably, you know, two years ago, could have, they, the rumors that it had an offer for about $20 million, $22 million, Mm -hmm. which sounds crazy if you live here, but from a national standpoint, that's super cheap. Mm -hmm. Um, There's, one of their major creditors finally got won a bankruptcy judgment, so they're forcing the mall to go to auction. Okay. And uh, of course, that doesn't help. Like if somebody's a tenant there and they're on the edge of leaving, so like the cookie store left, which is a big disappointment to my fat self, and uh, two other little shops have already cut Payless Shoe Source and one other one. Mm-hmm. Um, that'll probably be all the bleeding from that. Now, speaking of bleeding, the uh, what is it, American? American Deli, the home of the best wings in the world. Yeah. Yeah, they had, it was in the paper today, and I saw a video Friday night, uh, and now the video's, I think, 400,000 views, which is huge for our area, mm-hmm. uh, where somebody's card got declined, and the girl behind the counter allegedly said something bad to her, and then that woman allegedly came back with her family, jumped over the counter, and, and uh, be, tried to beat her up. It yeah. Like, looks like she held her own on it. I didn't watch the video too many times, but I yeah. thought she'd be ready for the UFC match. <laughs> The thing I like about it is like how sometimes a business itself is so good that it gets a pass. Yeah. Like that something crude and nasty happened at uh, Jack's mm-hmm. you know, a year and a half ago. Mm-hmm. A girl put something in some food. Mm-hmm. Jack's almost went out of business. They were suffering. People people gradually gave them forgiveness. And that was big because that's one of the only Jacks in Mississippi, right? Yeah, I think there's only two. So yeah. and it, it you know they only got a sweetheart deal in that building when they bought it. So that's the only reason the math works. Mm-hmm. But, like, they suffered. United Deli, like, I mean, uh, American Deli. Mm-hmm. American, they're not going to take a hit at all. Nobody is going, like, uh, they may be talking trash about the mall. Like, oh, stupid mall, or oh, these people mm-hmm. acting up, or they're a bunch of animals. Well, but nobody's blinking. Like, if they want wings, they're going there. Like, they're that good. Their brand is that good. They, mm-hmm. they, Cracker Barrel had the same thing. Cracker Barrel had a shooting that was really a love triangle gone wrong. And, 
guy went in there and tried to shoot somebody, and uh, people were like, oh, Cracker Barrel's dangerous, Cracker Barrel's dangerous. But three days later, they were fine. (laughs) But there's other businesses that will fall apart and crash if something happens like that. It just goes to show, like, if you're doing a good job, you'll win the other deli, United Deli, which is in East Columbus, makes the best sandwiches in the world. Mr. John there had a a shooting out at the pumps. Mm -hmm. Just two people, you know, one guy cut off, somebody followed him, shot at him. Dude, he had more people show up the next day because people love him so much. Like, that's, to date, one of the biggest things I've ever put, like, on my personal Facebook page. Like, I've made sure to go over there. Yeah. But, like, there was a shooting, John Needs Your Love, and it was, like, 700 likes and 1,200 shares. Wow. And, you know, I might average 30 likes and 30 shares mm-hmm. because they're just pulling for him, you know? Or, yeah. I love seeing businesses that are invincible like that. Yeah. Like, you know, there's crazy stuff that happens in politics, and you're like, oh, his career's over, you know? And, yeah. But there's some people, people just either fascinated by or like, and I mean, American Deli isn't taking a hit. I don't think mm-hmm. the owner's even, the, he, the owner and the girl who's in the fight who works there both spoke to the newspaper about it, you know, yeah. and just explained it and probably diffused the situation. They're just like, yeah, we had a fight, whatever, mm-hmm. stuff happens. And, <laughs> Just move dropped, on. dropped another batch of wings and moved on down the road. Yeah, so while we're there and just talking about some of the businesses, let's move into good for business and okay. what exactly that is and what's, what's that, what that's doing for the Columbus area. Well, what had happened is when I was at the newspaper, so I knew a lot about you know local events, chamber of commerce events, and is in touch with a lot of the, you know, I know when somebody pulls a city permit, mm-hmm. you can see if they're building a business. And uh, I, I like what, what gets me off or gets me excited is when, is when I see a local business doing good, or even a big business, because a lot of the big businesses will think of Buffalo Wild Wings as this national chain or all these other places, but they usually have local franchisees, I don't know. Mm-hmm. And so probably about a year into uh, real estate, so about three years ago, I started doing like a blog. Now the blog, if it averages four or five posts a week on you know Facebook, LinkedIn, and my website, you know, if it's out of every five, Three of them are just a newspaper article with some contacts, and the other two are actually me going out and mm-hmm. visiting a business. But what I try to do is, like, when I see the Chamber of Commerce having a ribbon cutting, or if I see somebody working or tearing down a building, which helps that I'm in real estate because I see it. Yeah, I'm excited about the cookout. Yeah, well, see, like, the cookout thing's the biggest thing I ever posted. And, like, the what happened was the building went under contract. I called to say, hey, what's going on? The cookout's coming. I'm like, holy cow. So I wrote that mm-hmm. little article. But before I did, like I, you know, I told my friends at the newspaper, I'm like, dude, because it was cool. It's good for the community. Yeah. Now it's just finally getting done. Was was there any backlash over the church being torn down to do that? No, I think it wasn't that. It was just that the the this when they actually tore it down, a few people spoke up. But as I did when I went, what happened was that I wrote the story a year ago, and the story a year ago got you know, 600 likes and like 3,000 shares, which is insane. Like mm-hmm. it's a Nothing on there says anything about real estate. Like, I don't, I don't, it isn't like, hey, they're building this and come buy a house with me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really just want to be the guy that knows what's going on. And mm-hmm. what happens is that comes from two directions. Somebody, people now call me because I'm the guy that's knowing going on to ask me questions, but also to tell me. Mm-hmm. So, like, somebody texted me, like, hey, there, I saw, uh, you know, the, no, nothing's happened with the cookout building since you wrote that article. Can you find out what's going on? Mm-hmm. And uh, so I called the guy and he's like, you know, Nothing's happening or whatever. Then, like a week later, somebody else called me. Like, what do they do with that playground equipment there? And like, my your first instinct to be like, freaking know what's going on with the play with the playground equipment. Yeah. But then I called the agent again, and he's helping him. And he's like, oh, a bunch of people asked about it. Let me ask him. Well, a day later, that playground equipment was at the church, and two days later, like a construction crew mm-hmm. was tearing down the church because I guess the 
he had hit up the owner enough times, got rattled, and the owner's like, you know, we probably need to start working on that. Mm-hmm. And then the first day they, the crane went over there, I went and took a picture, and so, like, I was the media outlet. Like, I wasn't trying to create content. Document, don't create. It was a great thing I heard from Gary Vaynerchuk, the podcast guy, where he's like, quit trying to think of interesting things and stuff. Like, when you see something, stop. Like, stop yeah. your car and ask the guy who's painting the building, like, what's going in that building? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and that's what happened is like one day I was driving up 45 and a uh, guy was opening Chunky Chuck's ice cream shop and he was hanging up a sign I'm like, hey, what are you doing? And then I took a picture and did it. And same thing. It was like viral for our community. Yeah. Like if you think from like what a business person has to do to get, you know, five, six hundred likes and five, six hundred shares, it costs you thousands of dollars to get that. Mm-hmm. But if you, if you just do something genuine and try to raise up other people and make them seem better, like a lot of my fun posts that I do, it'll just be like, oh, the drive through girl at Hardee's, isn't she awesome? Yeah. You know, people love it. Because yeah. people, they want to root. You know, the old saying used to be like people staring at the TV and they'll watch anything because nothing's on. It still stands. And on social mm-hmm. media, like if it's local, people would much rather watch a poorly produced local show that features local people than a shiny big thing on national TV. Mm-hmm. It's because you know it. Yeah, it's something <laughs> to watch, and there's a matter of pride. Like the newspaper knows, I know all the news guys, every picture of a kid sells six or seven newspapers. Mm-hmm. Well, in my mind, the attention, you know, you're buying people's attention online, goes the same way. If they see a good story about their friend on mm-hmm. Facebook, they share it. Like when I see my friends in the newspaper, I post on their page, like, hey, you were in the paper today. Yeah. Like, not because I want to business, but like, it's cool. It makes them happy. It's fun. And I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah, you try to cheer some yeah, people it's, up. Yeah, it's like one of the, the latest stories I saw you about with the duck hunters, the, yeah. the banquet that they had. Yeah. And uh, I'm not the biggest outdoorsman myself, but I mean, that's interesting for the area. Well, what happened there was like uh, two years ago, I went in there, and, uh, well, four years ago, if we rewind it all the way back, we, we do these parties at our house. We have four or five parties a year that have become really, really big and turned into fundraisers. Mm-hmm. And, um, but, Four years, three years ago, I went to, to Ducks Unlimited for the first time here. I'd never been. And somebody invited me, and they paid to be a sponsor. And I, I was like, man, what are y'all getting out of this? I mean, it's pretty expensive, mm-hmm. $800 for a table. And he's like, you get some raffle tickets or whatever. And, you know, there were no signage. They, were, they weren't really thanking their sponsor. So I went to the guy there. And I'm like, dude, I want to help you. And he's like, oh, you big hunter? I'm like, nah, I've never shot a gun. And he's like, I'm like, but it's a good event. It's a great event. And uh, I said, you know, the, my contacts of the beer company will give you a free banner yeah give, you know they're already giving you beer they print banners they'd rather have their logo everywhere and get thanked and I said then we can put the sponsors on there mm-hmm. so like this year was the third year I've been helping we had eight banners all over the place like the sponsors will take a picture of them in front of their logo I mean it's a big deal mm-hmm. and then they provide a value which helps Ducks Unlimited get bigger the sponsors feel better and I, at the time house. I wasn't even thinking about it but like I'm meeting people in a, you know I don't go duck hunting I don't go if somebody invites me mm-hmm. but I grew up in New Orleans like you know the only yeah. reason you need to go there is to protect yourself and, right you know, even though we're right outside of Sportsman Paradise but yeah, yeah but, down there on the Delta and all but you know I, my number one thing is don't act like you care like actually care yeah like, people can see through it when you see all these posts all the time like Worn out from volunteering at the so and so, I'm like, yeah, I mean, I get it. You it's know? kind of a drag for you, right? Yeah, <laughs> but if, if you're doing it and cheering other people on and cheering them up and saying what a good job they did, like we we were able to. I had a friend who asked for a sponsorship. This guy Ben Paulding, he does uh, he's an independent financial consultant, so he doesn't sell stuff, which is cool. You know, he doesn't sell stuff. 
So he gave us like something that was worth like $1,200, like a consultation, you know? Mm -hmm. And then we awarded it to like the youngest enlisted soldier who was at the DU thing, which, you know, then his family liked it and everybody liked it and it rose the community up. And it, I mean, it did help the business guy, but much more than if it just been sitting on a table and mm -hmm. some dude bid $300 on it. Like a young guy got it. It actually did the right thing. You know, he looked important and stuff to his friends and family. It made yeah. ducks, everybody feel better. Ducks, people were cheering. I mean, it was just a, a good moment. I talk about, you mentioned Zachary's, like Doug and Zachary's and I work on a lot of these fundraisers together. Mm -hmm. After every one of them, I say it like, man, this wasn't happening. Like, this was not happening today. Kind of like your thing. Like, you're spreading good news and good stories. And there's mm -hmm. there need to be more cheerleaders out there doing it. There's plenty of outlets for the bad news. I mean, I was one of them forever. And our yeah. the packet was sixty to seventy percent good news, but it didn't. It didn't sell. have the headline. Yeah, it didn't sell the paper unless you had somebody with a bloody head on the cover. And mm -hmm. It just doesn't doesn't trend. People want to see good news, but they don't. They will not tune in or buy it. You know, mm -hmm. but they they do like it, and people really like that spirit when you can see it. And you know, they just want to hear about each other. You know, and because that part of the the local meeting watering holes have died down bars nationwide or you know older people bars young bars are doing great but like lounges and, you and have then, a Louis just sprung up over there across town yeah that just sprung up out of nowhere it seemed like and it's what is it like a see here's food they're gonna break it's the like a, it's like a you know middle aged watering hole yeah and we'll see like that and like you know of course less people go to church and less people go to community centers than they used to mm -hmm. um, you know there's two things going on with social media with young people a lot of people say it brings out depression and all that other stuff but a lot of teenage girls are saying they have an average of more friends now because on social media mm -hmm. you know more people like each other and more of the positive just as much more positive stuff goes around than than negative stuff like all the big viral videos aren't negative stuff mm -hmm. like you notice like there's videos of that shooting in that bar from Tuesday night they were on Instagram that if you really have to look hard to find them online mm -hmm. But like, you know, Bobby bit my finger or whatever the fun of those things are getting. People want to see good stuff. Yeah. Like, you know, and it's it's going to sell more. Like, I mean, my always argument is like, if you don't think good stuff sells more, like NFL highlight reels are what you want to see at Sunday night. You're not going back watching mm -hmm. people's injuries. Mm -hmm. And even the worst injuries, you're like, oh, to a Thiesman injury. You see it once you get it, you know. And yeah. There's some insipid bad stuff you want to see every once in a while. But like. For the most part, most people look for funny cat videos and stuff online. They want to yeah. cheer up. And, it, man, if it's local, it's so much bigger. Like the United Deli thing, or American Deli. Sorry, John. The American Deli fight, the humor is as much of it. Like jumping over the big girl, jumping over the counter, and then yeah. yelling at it being kind of silly. If that was just a video of somebody pulling out a gun and shooting somebody at American Deli, it gets some looks till it got taken down, but it wouldn't mm -hmm. be a. It's it's just kind of comical. It's a known business. It probably would have been a lot worse for the business if it was some unknown business. But like, it's just so like, well, you know, it has nothing to do with mm -hmm. American Deli and you know, just, yeah. When that story came out, because like I, I I don't know, you might could tell me if this is true or not, but the land like get, getting ready to come up, you're on fifty. You can hop on 82 to come on into Columbus. That land, wasn't that going to be a mall? Wasn't that land for, yeah, for they've a mall? Had, they've had, yeah, they've had several different plans for a mall. The, the big challenge with the mall right now is that the family that owned it was from out of town. Mm -hmm. was sort of waiting it out thinking that it would get more and more valuable. Because finally over the last 10 years, Columbus has gone up. Yeah. I hear people complaining all the time. You know, And I said this, I was pretty mad at somebody the other day. He's like, hey, Columbus... A lot of the comments like Columbus going to hell. Columbus. I'm like, well, crime's less than it was 20 years ago. Property mm -hmm. value's more than it was 20 years ago. 
I was like, so what was so great from 1970 to 1999 in Columbus? I said the population was shrinking, property values were shrinking, you had segregated proms, you didn't have half the businesses you have now, Mm -hmm. you had two hotels, you didn't have nine, you didn't have a soccer complex, the bridge was rusting away, bypass was there, Mm -hmm. none of the factories were there, like those were the good old days, like twice the crime rate that we have now. We're the 13th largest city in the state, we have the 13th highest crime rate. Mm -hmm. Consistently. And we are in Mississippi. Yeah. Like, I mean, we're in Mississippi. Like, with it, people remind me all the time. There are people coming in now for these factories. And part of the reason that Columbus is winning over, over property value-wise more than it has in a long time. It's up 6 or 7% this year. Wow. Which people can't even believe. They can't even wrap their minds around mm-hmm. the, you know, the days on the market, which is how quick a house sells, are, are the same in Columbus as in Starkville. Like, is in the good part of Starkville. And part of that reason is these guys come from these factories and they're like, what schools? And agents will be like, well, Caledonia is, you know, for stand, heads and tails, probably the best school mm-hmm. system or whatever, public school. And they're like, oh, no, no. What's the best private school? And I'm like, oh, and you take somebody from New York or Philadelphia, they're not sending their kid to the Emmanuel. 13th. Well, they're not going to send their kid to the 13th best, best public school in the worst education state in the country. Yeah. They're just, they are not doing it. They, they mean, yeah. what is the best school? Now, where, you know, for example, Heritage costs 6500 a year or mm-hmm. 6000 a year. Annunciation costs 4500 I think Starkville Academy is somewhere in between there. You know, the average private school in Atlanta is 16000 In New Orleans, it's fifteen. Wow. You know, around the rest of the country, it's thirteen. So they go, they think that's cheap. And then our taxes are cheap. Like Lyons County has the cheapest taxes of the six districts, you know, and then really Octobal County, then City of Columbus would be lower. In the, I mean, percentage-wise, okay. So it's pretty cheap centered living. You know, everything's relatively cheap here, and so they're going to find the nicest house they can be and send their kid to private school. Mm-hmm. And if they're going public school, they're either going to go in somewhere in Starkville or they're going to go to Caledonia. Is probably ahead of that. Mm-hmm. And then, like, Hamilton schools are picking up next after that. But that's usually, you know, property values are usually correlated with the school districts for mm-hmm. the most part, you know. Yeah, and Caledonia's growing. Like, Caledonia's I've had a lot of my friends, they've moved out to that area now. Yeah, and they're, I mean, they're they're doing fine. They're a little too far away for some of these people who come mm-hmm. to want to live in the city. You know, the what's happening with millennials nationwide is they either want to be in downtown or they want to be further away. And the theory is, is that... As the automated cars get better, more people are allowed to work from home. Like, mm-hmm. why do you need to live in downtown Atlanta if you can Just make play it on your phone the whole ride in, you know? Mm-hmm. Like I said, my mom, since we tried to meet a couple weeks ago, my mom had fallen ill, and she's going, like, into assisted living. And I said, man, so I wish it was 15 years from now. She's like, why? I'm like, because then y- your car could drive you anywhere you want it to go. Mm-hmm. And we're not that far away from it. Now, we're that far away from it being affordable and safe. Yeah. But right now, if it takes a $60,000 car to be relatively safe to drive around a big city because i don't know if you've checked gps but if you try to get from like here to anywhere that's not on a highway in millport or you're dead <laughs> yes. like you'll end up in a lake sometime because i've been there like when i was talking it's about like that old office episode oh uh, yeah where they drive in the lake yeah well you know people that tell me like about their houses all the time in real estate and they're like oh i'm down off so-and-so seed tick road i'm like just give me the address and like you don't understand i'm like give me i said i ran mm-hmm. the pizza place here in town I said, then I worked the newspaper. I said, the newspaper, if somebody got shot, I had to get there at the same time as the cops. Otherwise, we didn't get the picture. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I said, now I'm a real estate agent. I'm like, I know where you live. If you're mm-hmm. in Lowndes County, I, I probably know your house. 
like all my reference points are either like he was a bad tipper from Papa John's or that <coughs> that's where so and so got shot, you know? Yeah. And then now it's like, oh, that's where that, you know, horrible gray house is or whatever. Mm-hmm. But yeah, GPS wouldn't do you a heck of a lot of good here. I'd be I'd be quite nervous. It's getting better all the time. But again, like I tell people, you know, uh, the biggest complaint is like, oh, we don't have Target or we don't have Red Lobster. Like, guys, again, we're the 13th largest city in a very s- small state. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. New Orleans Metropolitan has the population of the entire state of Mississippi, if you subtract, like, what's really Memphis, you know? Yeah. And, like, some towns get them, like, you know, Tuscaloosa got a target because technically they're within one hour of Birmingham. And, mm-hmm. you know, they want 250,000 people. There's some stuff we will never, like, Sam's Club target, there's no reason to come here. It has, they don't... They don't think twice, like, oh, Columbus is bad, or there was a shooting there. Like, those businesses don't care. Now, steel mill, if a steel mill hears about a bunch of shootings, they don't, mm-hmm. it, it, it could hurt us, you know, or some, a big factory like that. Um, but a lot of the things we have here is some of it's just a loser's attitude, you know, like, so the other day, six months ago, was in Stark, and I, I work in Starkville and Columbus, so I'm fascinated by, like, Starkville has a great attitude. Yeah. And people who live in Columbus, who really don't live in Columbus, they live in New Hope and Caledonia, like, Columbus sucks, Columbus sucks. And they shout up the friendly city name and all that. Well, I mean, <laughs> you know, in the last 18 months, they had a drug dealer got shot in the Cotton District. Now, he was a white kid buying drugs, but he still he was buying drugs. Yeah. And so, drug deal went wrong, he got shot. They had a rape in the Cotton District, and then you had a shootout in freaking Walmart. But yeah. when it happened there, it was a tragedy, and, and we're going to overcome this. And when we have a shooting at Cracker Barrel here, it's like, oh, Columbus is going to heck, you know? It's falling all apart. I'm like, man, guys, y'all gotta cheer up. Like, it's getting, it's gotten a ton better. I've been here 14 years, and it's gotten a lot better since. Yeah. And you still have to keep it in perspective. Like, look, when I lived in New Orleans, and I know all my friends down there, every bit of the news, everything sucks. It's horrible. Politicians are crooked. My friends in Atlanta are like, politicians are crooked. Everything sucks. Everything's bad. Like, you know, the grass is always greener, sort of mm-hmm. things. And you just, I think people forget that on from a national viewpoint, we still live in Mississippi. You know what I mean? And, and you, and you kind of got to think like you're not going to win every fight just because of that, you know. Mm-hmm. And it, it also doesn't mean you're the worst in the world because, I mean, there's plenty of places that suck. Like you go outside of some big cities almost anywhere. Like the small towns in the south are so much cooler. Like, I mean, I wish we had mountains and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. That's why I think Chattanooga is blowing up is because it's got the... Yeah. It's got a little bit of everything. It's got the South feel to it, but No no, just with Columbus. I had um I've just been moved back in this area for a year now. I had been gone for six years. Come back, you got Chick fil A, you got Cracker Barrel, you got Logan's and like Chick fil A, that little lot. Yeah. It used to be uh two or three failed restaurants. I think the rent was too high on the building. Yeah. Could never succeed. I remember when they that other place was only there for a little while. And the hotels across the road weren't there. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of development stuff going on. You know, one of the complaints I hear about on the blog, like, how come they don't build any good restaurants? I'm like, well, listen, chain restaurants are the only ones that do that sort of stuff. Otherwise, mm-hmm. why don't you do it? Like, Ranch House is doing great. You know, like, mm-hmm. they're local. Harvey's, that's based out of here. Like, complaining about Columbus, Mississippi again. By the way, <laughs> the number one fastest growing restaurant franchise chain in Mississippi is based it you know he with us group john bean like i mean it's here yeah like harvey's wasn't here grill wasn't here like all these places they are here and if mm-hmm. the problem is that you have to be awesome to beat them mm-hmm. like you have to be an awesome local person to get to like old hickory level like old my favorite part about old hickory is like i like i like restaurants that are old school like that that are like here's your food here's what it costs it's awesome deal with it yeah here's your french dressing from 1977 
Like it's the same bowl. Like yeah. I put my initials on it to check sometimes. But I like that. I like that they're like that. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, and like look at Hawks and Zachary's are mm-hmm. clawing to get the business they get, and they do phenomenal. Mm-hmm. You got to beat them. Like if you want a steak, I don't want a steak place. I don't want. Yeah, I don't want another burger joint. Apparently, you do. They're doing great. Like those guys don't come here. I was in franchising from Papa John's. Like we we have several things here where the math doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Buffalo Wild Wings was a gamble when Owsley brought it here. Gamble. That's the guy who owns them here and in a uh, he's partner, I think, with the one over in Starkville. Jimmy John's. I'm not supposed to be here. That's why they've had three owners. They're sp- they're supposed to have thirty thousand deliverable addresses within ten minutes. Uh uh-uh. uh. No way. Doesn't happen. But they're still like so we lucked out and got them here and they're somehow still treading water, you know, like Cracker Barrel turned us down. Mm-hmm. Cracker Barrel said nope, and the people on the land are like worked out a really a unique deal with Cracker Barrel and are partners with Cracker Barrel. Cracker Barrel doesn't wow. like doing that; they like owning their stuff. Like Chick Fil A owns half of every store that they build, mm-hmm. so they like building part. Cracker Barrel doesn't do that, yeah. but they did it because we had an old money dude who's like, oh, "I'll give it a shot." And she's right; apparently, they're doing great. So I don't know what people are always like. Oh, we went, you know, Red Lobster. I wrote an article about when the Steel mill, the steel mill, SDI steel mill, mm-hmm. did a paint roll off thing, four hundred million dollar expansion. And I wrote on them like, I wanted to use the dip s word, but I said, listen, you you dip birds, like that's seventy two red lobsters, mm-hmm. you know, seventy two red lobsters up and down forty five, because you know I was like, it's average red lobsters like forty five employees, that was two hundred eighty employees. I mean, it was like every the math is you know four hundred million dollar expansion. A red lobster usually costs like eight hundred grand to build. And has a you know does you know whatever twenty million a year in, in business, which mm-hmm. isn't profit, you know. Mm-hmm. I was like, and here's a four hundred million, and just the expansion, not the billion dollar factory it's next to, or the billion dollars worth of smaller finishing factories that have popped up around it. Like mm-hmm. that's that eighty thousand dollar job is what creates the twenty thousand dollar job, you know. And that's I didn't. The biggest odds I've had with the city has been about the that defunding the link, you know, the, the economic development group where they oh, wow. they stopped giving them a hundred grand a year, you know, because they didn't think it was a big deal. Now the link will still go get the stuff, you know, but it's not really encouraging when the city that's benefited so much from it didn't support it. But that was actually a Republican led thing to defund them, which is the oddest part because because wow. yeah. all my people in the county are like, well, typical city, and what they mean by that is typical black people. Yeah. That's what they mean. Yeah. And uh, I mean, I get it. Whatever. I mean, if you live in West Alabama, you know, uh, the same thing. tension. It's not even racial as much as whenever there's big differences in class. In my opinion, I mean, this is a business talk. Now we're not getting too deep into racism mm-hmm. here. And then New Orleans is, is a unique situation because black mm-hmm. and white people lived together for a long time. We were all poor together. Mm-hmm. But in a lot of rural West Alabama, the white people are really, really poor. You know, along with the black people, there's not a big disparity in income because everybody's kind of country. Yeah. And so whenever you have that, you have like, oh, they get blamed for stuff. But as you know, like there's plenty of, there's a, actually is a black middle class in Atlanta and a black middle class in Birmingham. We just don't have a big one here. Right. So people tend to blame, usually blame, they mean poor people, you know, and some of it's right, old school racism here or whatever. Yeah. But so when I tell, when I tell people, I'm like, oh, so you're mad at so-and-so, the Republican. I was like, why don't you call the Republican headquarters and yell at them about it? She's like, what do you mean? Why would they defund a business? I'm like, I don't know. That's a confusing part about it. Like, That's their thing, though. They now, just... if you look at it from like a strategical, long-term standpoint, they get all the benefit that the link does getting businesses and didn't give them any money. 
Hmm. You know what I mean? Like, they don't give them any money in a year, and they still win. I don't like it because I think it was a drop in a bucket to give them a hundred grand for all the stuff they. I had two people the week that we stopped giving them the hundred grand bought houses in the city, who work for the steel mill that's only here because of them. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And their taxes are about between those two houses were almost five thousand a year. So like, all right, great. <laughs> I got to find thirty more guys, and we could have paid their their thing. So yeah, you know, it, it's hard to see it. I mean, the city doesn't have a ton of money coming in, but again, not many cities in the south. I mean, look, I mean. New York, Philadelphia, I think 18 of the top 20 biggest cities in the United States raised taxes and borrowed money this year. Mm-hmm. All of them in the Golden Triangle did this year, including Lowndes County, like all six governing bodies. Like Lowndes County, which we all love and does the Caledonia schools and all this other stuff. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, between the school system and the county, they borrowed $90 million to build the Votech Center and two new schools and then raised taxes again. Like. They're all they're all kind of doing it. We have kind of low taxes, you know. Or yeah. We have low taxes, which yeah. I'm not complaining about. But it's and just going on here in the area, and I think it's grown a lot since I started paying attention. It's the art scene yeah. in Columbus, and I'm glad that it's picking up. Yeah, well, my wife's on the uh, Columbus Arts Council, and uh, we try to help with the band stuff. You know, we have we started having parties at our house about six or seven years ago. We started having a crawfish boil. And, oh wow. Uh, and, Ron Williams and Charlie Bergen, uh, Bergen came and played out there before he passed away. I'm trying to think, what's the name of the bar on 82? The no, no, no drinking bar. Uh, it's on 82. Anyway, that's where it's new. They don't drink there. It's a clean bar. <laughs> it's not a bar then, I guess. I'll think of the name in a little while. But anyway, they, they, Footloose is the name of their band that plays out there every once in a while. And We were friends with uh, Lance Cooper from The Right Moves. He used to be in AMFM, and uh, he introduced us to Mookie Wilson from over in West Point. So bands, we were having these parties at our house, a crawfish boil that we have Memorial Day uh, Sunday that about three, 400 people go to, and now it's for charity. So then we raised like four, wow. we had like four, raised almost four grand last year Great. for the Homeless Coalition. And then we have a burger contest cook-off that's for uh, Main Street Columbus. And then we just, this year we moved to Oktoberfest that happened at Zachary's. That used to be at our house. Oh, wow. So that, that's for the Arts Council. And that raised, uh, I think we raised five grand there. Right. That used to be their house. And then a Christmas party, December 15th at my house, is for the library. Uh, and that'll be like, we'll just have a violin uh, thing playing there. But like at all these events, and we just did the first time the uh, St. Patrick's Day for the Humane Society at Zachary's. So I, I was like the hype man for that. You mm-hmm. know, I'd get them on TV and get all the sponsors together and stuff. But all that stuff helps the bands. You know, a lot of them are volunteering for that, but it helps them get exposure to get other gigs. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like my wife and I are running over the chair people for the arts council arts gala in February. Mm-hmm. So like bounce and Betty will be playing at that, but it's all about art and artists and just, I, I try to connect these different communities together. Cause like ducks unlimited has a lot of great ideas for fundraising. And so does the arts council it has a couple things and, other people are sitting there lost and don't know what to do, you mm-hmm. know? Because, like, the United Way, the big factories kind of just give their money to the United Way, and the United Way splits it up, yeah. which is fine. They do their thing. The Boys and Girls Club gets a good bit of that. But for the smaller charities, a lot of them are losing grants and losing stuff over the last few years, and they've got to think of inventive stuff. Mm-hmm. And, man, live music draws people like nothing else. Like, if you can just get a band, and mm-hmm. the one thing I hate doing, because, you know, having been working in a restaurant business, people used to always hit us up for stuff. And I said, newspaper, they wanted free ads. They wanted my graphic designers and photographers working for free, and all my friends are musicians, and they're like, everybody wants us working for free. And I'm like, 
All I can do is like, and then uh, then I'm running a charity event, so I don't like asking them to play for free. Now Lance Cooper and a couple of guys have started getting together a coalition, like four or five bands that will do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, that just volunteer to do it. Like I don't even ask them, but it's because they've gotten gigs from it. They've gotten some exposure. Now I'm able to. We're stepping it up even more with better brands, which is uh, Corona and Miller Lite mm-hmm. and all them out of West Point, locally owned folks, and they're providing give them a banner for that event that the band can bring with them to other events. So it's a benefit for the sponsors who sponsor the event. And now the band finally has a, mm-hmm. you know, it's a sign that most bands don't even have a banner. You know what I mean? Like, so they've got a little more name cachet. It looks a little more legit mm-hmm. and it just keeps going. And I wish we had more venues. Is How long, how far off is the amphitheater? The amphitheater, it, when I say it's ready to roll, they're probably six to eight weeks away from ready to roll. They don't have the money for it to roll. So okay. that's what they've been waiting for. Is it'll probably be I, I expect February, March. I'm hoping because mm-hmm. if the, as soon as they have the money ready, the construction company's ready to go. They just got to make sure they get paid that last amount of money. They could have finished it a year ago. Part of the funding got lost. The CVB, the Convention Visitors Bureau, there was a big hub up here where the we charge a, a tax. I think it's two percent on food and, and bars and stuff like that. And that money, most of that money goes to the CVB, the Columbus Visitors Bureau, or Visit Columbus. Okay. And then they dole it out amongst, you know, all kinds of stuff. Statewide advertising. They send it to, you know, attracting big groups to come here. But a lot of that money was spent like, oh, we need to do some soccer fields. Or, oh, let's finish the amphitheater. Well, that money totally disappeared. The city and the county had a was something measuring contest and got in a big fight. And their deal fell apart. And they pushed it together at the last minute. And they sent it down to Jackson. But the... Our two local legislators didn't agree that the, the two proposals didn't look the same, so it didn't get approved. Oh. So essentially one around one point eight million dollars didn't get put back into the community this year. You know, which was you know, and it's just stupid because a lot of that was arts related and it and it's killed other what happens when money falls apart, like people talk about grants, like, oh it's a grant. Most grants are federal tax money. You know, we call it a grant because mm-hmm. it's all it does is it takes the legislators out of giving away the money you have to fill in a grant organization and then the federal government says okay you can have this so a lot of it like when they fixed the bridge downtown it was mm-hmm. a great idea but it was of the 2.2 million you know 800 grand was local 800 grand was state money 800 grand was federal money so for 800 grand like oh that's a good investment 2.2 million i'd be like what the heck are you doing you know yeah and i used to be a little more on the libertarian side of it where i'm like you shouldn't spend money on soccer fields and walking trails and stuff but as a realtor i can tell you it makes a huge difference you know because columbus you know for a lot of people coming to the air force base they're like oh you know they leave the air force base and it's mobile homes and adult mm-hmm. novelty shop on one side the other one's like just kind of ratty part of 45 until they get downtown they don't see like some some of the positive things going on mm-hmm. Starfield's, I mean, Starfield's going crazy trying to do stuff like that because, I mean, half the town is a... College you know, town. Yeah, Mississippi State's, I think, the third... It's been a while since I looked, but it's one of the most federally... highest federally subsidized universities in the country. It's like Princeton, you know, Ole Miss, and then them. So it's like $20 million wow. a year. And now, if you wonder why, it's a big research school, like the automotive research thing. is one of the second biggest automotive research things in the country. It's the center of the unmanned aeronautics drone. Mm-hmm. Like it's the it's going to be the NASA for drones. Now, part of that is, I mean, Trent Lott, and you, you get state senators. One of the, the downside of living in a, in a somewhat backward state, I guess, is that the same guy gets elected every year. Well, when they get elected every year in the same spot, they get powerful. Mm-hmm. They send a lot of money back here, you know, mm-hmm. and that'll be 
you know, something to watch over the next 10 to 15 years. We're going to lose a lot of pull yeah. in, in D.C. right now. And just what uh, the SEC Network has done for the campuses with the exception oh, it's of I think Ole Miss. I think with Ole Miss sanctions, they, they don't get as much as all the others. I think Ole Miss, um, every other campus but Ole Miss gets $40 million off the network. Well, what I'm, you know, and I'm not – when I talk about not a college football fan, like I, I watch now because mm-hmm. I live in the middle of SEC country now. Yeah. But like college football wasn't a big deal for me growing up in New Orleans. Like you know, LSU wasn't that good in the early 90s. None of my friends really cared. Yeah. So like Saturday, you're going to festivals, not even on my radar. And I come up here and it, it's life. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I was able to tell, I think it's been what, 10, 12 years since ESPN got the contract. Mm-hmm. The Big Ten was a lot more important when ESPN had their contract. And I remember reading all my media buddies who I knew. I had a couple of friends who went to Syracuse, which is a big media university. Mm-hmm. They're like, you better watch out. He's like, because when ESPN starts focusing on that, it just keep, it piles on. Like, ESPN gives more coverage for the city. People go, oh, it's an interesting city. Oh, they go to visit it. Oh, there's more money there. Mm-hmm. And Starkville was eight or nine years behind Oxford on the natural progression, like condominiums and Tuscaloosa was sort of in between, but like they build a new condo, more construction guys get job, more people make more money. There's more McDonald's. It just keeps building and keeps building, and you know, luckily we're also behind the trends on a lot of stuff. So the same thing you and I can take advantage with on Facebook or podcasts, you know, being eight years behind Seattle, like I might get my butt kicked doing a business blog in a bigger city or a Chattanooga because there's 50 guys trying to do it, but here I'm the only one who's going to realize that it's worth the time. Mm-hmm. And then a lot of people do stuff like that where they'll they'll do the little program, you know, but it's all about them. They're like, hey, they're building cookout. By the way, I sell houses. Hey, you're doing cookout. By the way, I sell houses. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I, I try as hard as I can not to do that because people do not care yeah. like on that. They don't. They want to hear about what's yeah. going on with you and your kids and stuff. They don't. They don't care about other. Mm-hmm. Care what you're trying to sell them. Yeah. All right. So just with entrepreneurship and business and all that just for uh, millennials folks my age just looking to try to get into it what advice would you uh, would you give out I would drop everything and find Gary Vaynerchuk Gary V on I keep mentioning his name he doesn't it's not real estate he's 40 he's 40 he's a week older than me so he'll be 43 next week as he puts it it's the greatest time ever to be alive it's the greatest land grab in history Mm -hmm. like it's nothing's in your way. The, the playing field's so much more level than it was just 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. Like if you had a podcast or you had a, wanted to give a, uh, to give your opinion like you're doing now on something on the radio, you had to go buy a spot on the radio, mm-hmm. you had to sell ads or whatever. Now, literally, you can just yeah. record it and if you've got the chops, you're going to win. Like if you're good enough, like if you really care, like my buddy Brian Haydad is uh, uh, now the main guy for the main station for Mississippi State. Like four years ago, he was doing a podcast with his buddy. Then he got picked up by ESPN because he's good. Like he legitimately <laughs> cares. He's interested in it. He's passionate about it. And he didn't care that much about social media, but he puts stuff on there. Mm-hmm. And he's growing because he knows what he's talking about. Like if, if you're good enough, nobody's standing in your way. A lot less gatekeepers that decide, like, look at what... Amazon and Netflix are doing a television. They're kicking everybody's ass because they know the real ratings. Mm-hmm. Like, ratings are, are relative on, like, the Nielsen ratings. Mm-hmm. Ten million people really aren't watching that show, but it's if if that's how all the shows are measured, then, you know, the ten million versus eight million, the ratio is still the same. Yeah. Well, Netflix knows exactly what you're watching, how many minutes you're watching, when you tune out, when you glance away from the screen, all kinds of stuff. So does Facebook and Instagram, mm-hmm. which is why they're trying to get in on video. So as far as for an entrepreneur, like 
nothing's in your way. Like the Vaynerchuk guy just started doing a, a vlog a few weeks ago, and he's I mean, he, may, he does all kind of media stuff, makes a ton of money, but he doesn't really sell anything. Everything's free. Well, he goes out every Saturday and goes garage sailing, mm-hmm. and he buys mugs and he buys baseball cards and Hot Wheel cars and resells them. And you watch how he resells them. And then I've started looking and seeing other guys reselling stuff. And my wife put like ten things on Facebook this weekend because we're kind of inspired. Like, there's no reason anybody even Columbus, Mississippi can't go out and make a hundred, two hundred dollars a week buying stuff at the end of garage sales, stuffed animals and, and coffee cups, and just selling them in different places. Because like the same coffee mug. A new coffee mug might mm-hmm. sell for a dollar garage sale, fifteen dollars on eBay, twelve dollars on Amazon, thirty dollars on Facebook Marketplace. Like I have a Grizzly cooler that's in auburn colors, you know, that yeah. would normally sell for one hundred and thirty dollars at a store. And my wife put it on Facebook last night and it got nothing. I said, "Well, just wait till Iron Bowl week. Mm-hmm. Put it up and then go buy a two dollar auburn sticker, Slap you know." And I said, "Just sell it for ninety bucks." And they, they saved money. I already had it. Like it's winter and. Because like those the barriers are going and the world's so much smaller than it used to be. Like, mm-hmm. don't quit trying to go for the. I wouldn't call it easy money, but like, if you have a product to sell, how many people do you know? Like, if you put something on Facebook or on your podcast, like, I'm looking for somebody locally who bakes cookies. Dude, there's like 20 or 30 people who bake really high quality. It's why the cookie store in the mall went out of business. Not because yeah. I'm on a diet for the last four months, but they went out of business. Yeah. And a lot of people are like, oh, social media, I don't get it. Well. You didn't grow up driving either. You know what I mean? You got to figure it out. I'm mm-hmm. 42. I wasn't doing... If you look on my Facebook four years ago, I put up a couple houses, and then once a week I post something about my kids. Now I don't post any houses ever on my personal Facebook page because mm-hmm. nobody cares. Right. They don't, there's no difference between that and lip sense and any other stuff you're trying to... Like candles or health stuff that you're trying to sell. Me. Friends don't want to be sold stuff. Now, if you want to make a business page and that's where you sell it, you know, because like yeah. I'm starting a... The rules in Mississippi changed, and I have to do a separate, completely separate page for real estate stuff. Like, it's got to very clearly say I'm a realtor. So, what I'm going to do is I'll have the Colin Craig regular page, the Good for Business page, which is a blog that has nothing to do with real estate. And then here's what I do real estate all day. Because a lot of people are like, man, you do all this charity stuff and all these business. How do you sell so many houses? I'm like, okay, well, I'll show you. Yeah. And not everybody would want to see that, but I'm sure there'll be 20 or 30 people who'd love because, I mean, nothing else is on. Mm-hmm. Uh, as far as entrepreneurship, man, there's. There's tons out there. Like you don't need. We were talking before you set up. Like there are the last guy I went to down in in uh, Orange Beach. I mean, he's got four thousand dollars worth of portable stuff for his his podcast. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like there's a fifteen hundred dollar camera sitting on the ground right there, but the majority of my stuff is done with my iPhone. Mm-hmm. You know, like people overthinking and turn into excuse that they got to have a brick and mortar store or they got to have this. And you, you Google how many businesses started in garages, mm-hmm. you know, they weren't overnight successes. They worked their butt off for years and worked and worked and worked and yeah. worked. And look at Apple. I think a lot of people don't understand how much time there is in the day. Like I get to work at six thirty. I do my work. You know, my, my whole mm-hmm. mantra is imagine like my kids are here watching me. You know, sitting there, would they be proud of what I did today? And that's some of it's tough to you tell yourself that a lot. You'll have yeah. a tough time, but you know, like I generally have more listings than anybody else in real estate, and I still go to all these little events. You know, I average probably going to one event per day that I put on Facebook, but there's days where I go to four or five. I try not to get on too many boards, but I try to put positive news out there, and there's no angle other than. If I make these people feel good, I get that addicted feeling you give when you give a really good Christmas mm-hmm. gift, you know? 
Like, yeah. I get that feeling, and I try to do a good job. But like, when I stop at a gas station, the girl's really nice and take her picture. But, man, isn't she awesome? And if three of her friends get on there and say she's awesome, like, you made her day. Mm-hmm. Everybody's happy. And if you can think of a way you can, I don't know, capitalize that on a business. But yeah, if you can work your business along that, I just hear so many people are like, I just don't have time. You don't understand. And I'm like, like if everybody, everybody I've sat down and, like, audited. I'm talking, like, 20 or 30 people. I've never found anybody with less than two or three hours a day who isn't just messing around. And so you, by the way, on I'll be like, phone. I'll be like, hand me your phone, and I mess around on my phone plenty. Mm-hmm. But like when I get to work, I put it aside for two hours. I'm doing dedicated things. I have a schedule, and then at home, like, and we unplug at our house for a while too. But from like eight thirty to eleven, mm-hmm. like if you want to write a basketball blog or edit videos, there's time, plenty of time there. If you want to sell cookies or. As my wife did this week, she dedicated 30 minutes a day to selling stuff from the house, and she's a couple hundred dollars in this getting stuff, and piece hey, of cake. Hey, Look at it just, you know, now with the apps, it's easier than it was two years ago where you can find out what's sold on eBay. You can scan stuff. There's stuff at the Dollar Tree in Columbus, I guarantee you, because I went in there with my daughter to show her because she wanted to make some money. There's stuff at the Dollar Tree in Columbus that you can scan in your thing that is selling for $4 on average on you eBay. You can buy it for a dollar there. You can buy it for a dollar all day long. And there's stuff... Any stuffed animal with a tag on it or a coffee mug that's new at a thrift store, you should, and it's less than a dollar, or just buy it and look on eBay and look for the sold price. And it's there. And that's a small thing. That's not even going yeah. like, I want to start a business. But now there's nothing in the way. It's easy as heck in Mississippi to start a business. Mm-hmm. Like, it doesn't even take an hour to get like the licenses needed, unless you're serving food but like or some profession. But like, oh, I just want to start a business. Like you, Within four hours of concentrated work, you can have a eBay store and Amazon store, mm-hmm. all this, like, it's right there. So you just got to kind of think about what are you trying to do for a living, you know? And, mm-hmm. and people also think it's easy. I can tell you, I owned a restaurant. Me and a buddy owned a restaurant for four years in New Orleans. He bought it back earlier this year. And we sold it for more than we bought it for, and we're still friends. It just it wasn't enough money. Dude, there's nothing easy about the restaurant business. It's yeah. murderous. And if you're not there, it's not going to work. Mm-hmm. And that's why all these franchises do well is because they have enough controls in place to make sure. And they usually, the, you know, the highest paid guy, there's guys running Papa John's here in Mississippi making 80 or 100 grand a year. Wow. And the second highest paid person makes $8 because they have to pay them enough to find somebody who cares enough to work the crazy 70 hours a week. And mm-hmm. the myth of, you know, these guys on the beach are throwing money on their bed and doing a, you know, sitting on the hood of a car, it's just not. You got to work for some amount of time. That's a Vaynerchuk thing. He's like, nobody talks about eight-year-old LeBron James, you know, yeah, shooting, in time. shooting thousands of shots, you know. Like, they put in the work. You mm-hmm. just didn't see it, you know. And now you actually have a chance where you could, as long as, I think you have to keep them somewhat separate depending on what you do. Like, you know, I'll post a picture of us doing this on my page, but, like, if my real estate page was up, I'd probably film the whole thing and just do it on there because somebody will watch it. Like, somebody mm-hmm. thinks that's interesting. And there's lots of people who think this will be interesting. I dig yeah. podcasts, especially when they're local. But mm-hmm. people use a lot of excuses. We're like, it's too hard to do this. It's too hard to do that, man. Like, there's so many books. I'm 42. I mean, think about this. Like, eight years ago, you couldn't Google half the stuff. You could now on how to do this, how to do that, how to whatever. It's so, mm-hmm. like, all my kids' science projects are easy. Like, I'm like, I explain them what we used to have to do to... <laughs> To find out, you know, what potato creates energy the best, you know? Yeah. Like, she had to do a science project, so we knew the answer ahead of time, so you can, you know, it helps you. And 
like plan I mean, out. And there are tons of videos. Like the answer to most questions is YouTube. It like yeah, go on there and find it. Like I'm not good on Instagram. Do it. Like I'm on Instagram, but I don't use it as much as I should. I am losing money by doing that. Just as a brand, as a person, by not doing it, it doesn't mean you have to do all of them. Like I will argue that I'm the best on Facebook of any realtor, and I'm also the only one who probably never puts a house on my personal page. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think that's why I'm the that's best. That's the key. Yeah, they, and they see it now. If you look at my posts, like every fifth or sixth post, I'm wearing a Remax visor. There'll be a Remax logo mm-hmm. snuck in there, but like I actually do go out in the public and do all this stuff because yeah. between eight and eleven, when I'm at work, I'm working, working like focused work and so at 11 I can go to the ribbon cutting yeah. at 12 I can take somebody to lunch at 2 I can go you know and then document that but not document it by look what I did I document it by look how cool it is that David Vega Vega from Bancorp South went to this ribbon cutting mm-hmm. as if I am the media outlet mm-hmm. and that way if you're shy you don't have to be on you know what I mean some people you don't even have to be, be in the picture yeah and it helped they feel better and then you know when people yeah. realize that you're just trying to raise others up and, I think you know, it's key to it it's personable and it's like you, you've said time and time again, it's you actually care. Well, like I'm a ham. I could go on t- I get on, I'm going to be on TV tomorrow morning on WCBI. Like I can, I'll go on, but like if I took selfies of me all the time, like I can tell you like there's certain weeks where it just comes up or whatever and I do it and mm-hmm. people, you know, I just want people to know what I look like every once in a while, but it's, it's so much better when it's somebody, like I've literally stopped and just be somebody kid and somebody kid the best in the world or God, it makes the parents feel so good because mm-hmm. you you are the media company now. Like if you know, I would argue two weeks ago or three weeks ago that I might have the second third week of October. I'm not counting college girls at Starkville, but no, I know nobody else in Lowndes County had more social media activity on their Facebook stuff than I did. And I was all over the. I went down to Fairhope and won an award and did something here and we raised we mm-hmm. issued a big check and. I was in one of the 16 pictures that got, you know, over 150,000 impressions, you know, on that, like on a personal page, my mm-hmm. business page got like 20 likes, yeah. you know what I mean? But like a hundred and something thousand people saw it, liked, shared or viewed, reacted to it, free stuff on my free page and everything on everything was pretty much about other people mm-hmm. in Columbus, Mississippi. Must be something to it. Yeah. But like. You know, I mean, WCBI reaches that many people. I mean, but like to think about that, you know, like how many you can get like that. I go back to our cookout thing, but like the cookout thing is between the two different posts now is that more shares than likes is the key when you know something's viral. Mm -hmm. If you get more shares than likes on your page, then I'm crazy. And it's at like 1,600 shares where people think like I broke that story. And I'm an authority on it. Like the peak of this whole thing was about four. Yeah, because they're asking you. Yeah, well, like three or four months ago, the airbase was having a country concert up there. And they called. And the head people are like, oh, our 100,000 kilowatt generator went out. That's big. That's like a, mm-hmm. you know, they, my guy I called, he's like, well, it's basically a, you know, you can do rule of thumbs, 50 cents per kilowatt. So that's a $50,000 generator. They cost like three grand. And they called me. They're like, do you know where to get one? I'm like. No, but and then I, I put the phone down, and my wife's like, "What?" They? I'm like, "They want to know." And then I started smiling. I'm like, "They didn't call the mayor. They didn't call the board of supervisors. They didn't call called you. They called me to find out." And I called the light and water, and they're like, "Yeah, they're our biggest customer." And they brought them one up, and I'm. It wasn't about being the hero or fixing mm-hmm. it. It was that they thought like, "Oh, we got a problem." Colin, Colin. Colin's going to know how to fix it, and that's exactly what I want. I was like, and I'm not from here, mm-hmm. and that's part of the reason I do a lot of stuff is that like I feel it may not be true, but. I'm not going to get the easy real estate business from, oh, he's my nephew or my niece. I get a lot of those like, dude, sorry, I got a list with 
mm-hmm. and I'll go listen. You won't have to apologize in a few years. Like I'll be big enough where you'll just you're gonna be like, dude, I'm. I know you're my daughter, but come on, Colin. Colin's everywhere. So, <laughs> and and I, I think I spend you know, as far as work life balance. I, I tell people it's like you know work life balance starts with work. Like don't don't try to live somebody else's version of work life balance. I tried to do that a lot of the time. I was at the newspaper. Like we worked a ton of hours, but like you know I would go with my kids and really wouldn't be with them. You know, like we have to we unplug our phones a lot at night. We have to turn off and I lose mm-hmm. some business, I'm sure, because of that. But I know plenty of people who work way less than me and don't do anything with their kids. Mm-hmm. Like really don't do anything. Like they nothing wrong with hunting, but they'll go hunting four or five days a week during deer season instead of taking their kids to breakfast. And, you know, and those are the ones where I think I've done a decent enough balance you know, for a while, I was like, I don't want to put my kids on Instagram or Facebook all the time. Now, like, I do a decent enough time. I try not to be like a fall on my sword, like, oh, put the kids again. Like, I really like being with the kids. Yeah. And I like teaching them that, like, this is going to be part of your life. Like, yeah, people are going to want to know where you were when you were 14 years old. And if you're a little kid raising money and helping with that or selling stuff. Now, we came home last year. And my brother watched my kids. He lives in our house. The house behind our house. And he's like, yeah, they want to sell some stuff. There's a garage sale across the street. I'm like, okay. Tell them just make sure it's their stuff. Damn, my dang laptop's out there for 50 cents. They got a remote control. They got all kind of like awards that I had won. And I'm like, what are y'all doing? He wasn't really watching them. I'm like, like he said we could sell stuff. I'm like, you can't sell it. Like our spatulas and food out of the kitchen. I'm like, my little entrepreneur stuff, so I'll take yeah. it. Um, like I said, I just, I'm overwhelmed by the amount of opportunity that there's yeah. out there. And, and people just... They let perfection stand in the way of action. Like they, they, mm. they got to have the best microphone or the best camera. And I've gotten in those ruts where I'm like, I got the whole podcast set up and recorded one podcast until somebody else came along. He's like, why aren't you doing podcasts every day? I'm like, yeah, the editing and stuff. He's like, you can sub all that out for, you know, or let somebody get, he goes, that's why there's two people doing mm-hmm. most podcasts is because one guy's the tech guy and one guy, you yeah. know, and then, you know, one guy's the color commentator kind of mm-hmm. guy. I mean, I, I obviously could talk for hours. I should do way more video than I do, but I just, when I edit it, I'm way too picky. Yeah. It isn't about being on camera or thinking that my voice sounds like old Garfield cartoons or whatever, but I would, I'm just so picky. So I'd rather just mm-hmm. take pictures of other people. And when other agents are like, well, I just don't want to be on. I'm like, well, don't be on. Yeah. Don't come. Just, I was like, I show them, I'm like, look how much traction I get. And these are pictures. Mm-hmm. Like when they're a video, usually the videos I put up are funny, but. Mm-hmm. You know, I could have taken a video of the guy in United Delhi and be like, John's the best guy. And it would have done, maybe it would have done a little better, but yeah. do that perfect moment of him smiling so proud of that people come care about him. And, yeah. And that wins every time. So yeah. kindness is undefeated. So mm-hmm. What's down the road for you? Just uh, for good for business? and. Well, I'm running from politics at this point. A lot of what I do, I say people say, are you running for office? I said, I'm running from office. <laughs> uh, a lot of the stuff I do, I guess, trends in the same way that people would think what a politician would do. Okay. I don't really, I don't have no agenda in that. I have young kids. I don't want to do it. I've mm-hmm. seen the worst sides of it. I just like trying to make the community better. Like, I do like going, I've gotten to speak at a couple real estate events and conferences and talk to people about sales and marketing and that mm-hmm. sort of stuff. And I really enjoy that. I got to get better. I'm not nervous about the public speaking part, but I have to get a, a regiment set down. Now I've killed it on like panels I've been on on podcasts I've been on because mm-hmm. I can go for hours and I, you know, get a lot of ideas because I have a, 
you go from you know 20 years of the restaurant business and own my own restaurant and marketing and newspaper and yeah. now real estate and especially the newspaper experience i had mm-hmm. you know it lends itself to a lot of stuff I love doing the real estate part of it. I love helping buyers, and usually the cheaper the house, the more fun it is, you know, because they really enjoy it, and mm-hmm. I think that makes me a little different. And I like big fancy houses if you're out there, but um, I'd much, you know, it's fun to work with people buying eighty thousand dollars houses because it matters to them, you know. And, and as I tell other agents, I'm like, you know, their bosses buy fancy houses too, and if you help them and really help them, they tell their dad, they tell everybody else, and mm-hmm. again, like, don't act like you care, actually care, like. When you help them, and you know, I get to invite them to my parties and stuff, and so you get to know them, and it's, you know, it'll take me a while to be from here. I don't, I don't want to leave. I've had tons of opportunities mm-hmm. to go other places. You know, in real estate, if you leave, you got to start from scratch. Right. Nobody cares who you are or whatever, and I have to do this all over again. And you know, as far as going back to New Orleans, a lot of my friends didn't understand, but they came up to our crawfish bowl two Memorial Days ago, and when I'm sat in the front yard and just stared at my house, I'm like, "What's going on?" And he's like. It's like this is a million dollar house in New Orleans. I'm like, yeah. And I was like, and my kids go to school, and all three of them go for less than one kid would go in New Orleans, and I can be in New Orleans in four hours, and mm-hmm. you know, I make more money here and save more money here, and you know, we like it. There's worse places to be. In. There are better opportunities if the kids were in a bigger city, but that's a time management thing mm-hmm. and a money management thing, and you know, that's a different discussion if you have a couple that are both making twenty grand a year than what I make, and. You know, that, that we can drive to Atlanta and stay there three days. And, you know, we took our kids out of school for the eclipse. We were, like, the only people that did that. Like, I thought the entire Annunciation School would be gone. Yeah. Because I think experience is worth more than, like, in all honesty, I don't know what a kindergartner, a third grader, and a fifth grader were going to learn that day. But mm-hmm. they, I think they learned a lot more with me and my friend on the top of a mountain in Tennessee, you know. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean that it's not right for everybody. But if it's snowing, my kids aren't going to school. Yeah. Like I much rather them Play get it. to go, and I learned part of that I learned from my dad growing up was our parents split up, and it was me and my dad. And he was in New Orleans, and uh, he was man about town, obviously, and uh, he wouldn't go anywhere I couldn't go. So twelve year old me, but a little tie and shake hands and introduce myself, and uh-huh. I think that that helped a lot. And now that people can do this, even if they're not outgoing, but it's again, it's document. Don't create. Don't sit around all day thinking if I can can I write an article about how this is interesting like there's so much interesting junk just driving around town mm-hmm. just every day there's some business opening or closing there's the newspaper always has something opening or closing and if not the lady who busses tables at Jack's in the middle of the day is the happiest woman in the world and I'll just take a picture of it mm-hmm. that's it it just makes people feel good it makes me feel good though. I think at the core it's kind of selfish in that respect of, you know like you, I'm sure you like hanging out with musicians and interviewing because you have things in common yeah yeah, and they like talking about it because it's, yeah. it's their music, it's their passion. Yeah, <laughs> it's good to talk about. Yeah, it. I mean, just with Columbus, I remember moving back, and some some of the people I know, they were um, you know either married to some of the Air Force guys, or they got involved here by the W, or maybe they went to state, and they was like, yeah, you left Mobile and came back to the Columbus area. I get it, family, but why Columbus? I was like, I like Columbus. Well, you know, and I think Columbus is growing, and it's like you said earlier, it's it's going in the right direction. Yeah, and again, it's Mississippi. I mean, I understand like Chattanooga's cooler and stuff, yeah. but most of the people I know here, the reason they say they're going to leave, well, ain't nothing to eat, there's nothing to do, I can't get a job. job. That's Br- not listen, true. listen, I'm a cussing here. Bring your lazy ass to Seattle. 
listen, I'm a hustler here. I'm a worker here. If I go to Atlanta, I got to work five, ten times harder. Bunch of 22-year-old kids with Instagram and Snapchat everywhere. Mm-hmm. And when there's more people, you're going to really see. And I, there are plenty of people left here and gotten their butt kicked. And there's, yes, there are arguments like, oh, the schools aren't good enough and you want to move for your kids' schools. That's fine. Mm-hmm. There are job opportunities that aren't here. But the people I hear complaining about it aren't engineers and stuff for the ones that have valid complaints. Engineers and, you know, doctors and nurses who have, you're making 60, 70, 80 grand a year. It's much better for you to probably leave and go somewhere yeah. else. But, and of course, a lot of people miss the fact that once you have kids, you need the support structure. You need those people around you. And most of your life takes place at home. Mm-hmm. Like, other than not having a museum I can take my kid to during the day, which is something I have in New Orleans, uh, that's what I miss. Yeah. I mean, you don't miss family, but I know plenty of folks who went to cities with no family there, and they don't have any family there to watch their kids, and, you know, all, everything's cool until you meet some people, but, you know, yeah, there's worse places to be. Mm-hmm. Statistically speaking, 96% of Mississippi is worse to be than Columbus. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. think of all the towns between, uh, you know, everybody says Jackson's a war zone, right? right? There's shootings everywhere, you know? And, okay, you want to be on the coast, but you can't go in the ocean and Mississippi Gulf Coast. Yeah, yeah. And, 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 and most of it's... Cheating bacteria. Most of it's... It no, I would say most of it's better, but people have problems everywhere. But most of the stuff from here north, I mean, there's Tupelo and, and Oxford, mm-hmm. and a lot of people from these parts ain't ever going to live in Oxford, but, God, I mean, in a town this size... Now, a lot of this has to do with the industrial part. We have $2 billion worth of economic development. Like, outside of Pascagoula and in South Haven, nothing's even close in the last 20 years mm-hmm. in Mississippi. In Alabama, outside of Hoover, nothing is close. Like, in two whole states, similar-sized cities, nobody has had what's happened here. Mm-hmm. Nobody. Nobody. And it doesn't mean we're the greatest place in the world, but, man, I look back. I was just talking to a bunch of old folks today at Jack's about, like, what was so great about the 80s here? Mm-hmm. Like, every factory shut down, and it was like, every, and everybody here talks about the good old days from the 80s and 90s. I'm like, what days? Maybe the 50s or something. <laughs> but like, if since 1966, Columbus was just going like this, like, and then free falling in the 80s and 90s, and the steel mill opens and then it dies a little, mm-hmm. and it's not blowing up, but golly, guys, you know? And New Orleans, and all my friends who heyday and love New Orleans, how can you not live there? And like, year I graduated high school was the New Orleans still is the worst murder year they ever had. It was the most dangerous city in the history of the United States ever. Like it's over now. You know, we live in the safest time to be alive ever by a mile. Like we just see more of it than we saw before, but like gun deaths are trending down. I know mass shootings are up, but like gun deaths overall are trending down. Suicides are trending down. I mean, obesity and, and you know, uh, opiate addictions going up. I think mental health will be the biggest story in the next 30 years. But that being said, like, Mm-hmm. business is good plus we have businesses here that will be the last to evaporate like steel mills steel mills a fundamental thing paper yeah. mills fundamental like businesses we're not quite there but stuff's going to start getting eliminated with phones and uh, just like the, you know you want to own a medallion and a taxi cab medallion in new york city right now you know 20 years ago they were worth a million dollars now they're worth like 30 grand because you don't need to what do i need a taxi for you know people are scared that like real estate agents are going to get replaced by phones well a certain percentage of them will not all of them i mean houses are like art to a certain extent they're all a little different now if you're in phoenix arizona and there's neighborhoods there that have three thousand houses with four different floor floor plans total like a neighborhood because one guy built them all Mm -hmm. I don't know if you need an agent for everything there, do you? You know, you, maybe the agent doesn't deserve six percent. You know, 
But here, when you're driving around hills and crazy parts of town and all over the world, it probably does. Yeah, you get behind the golf course over here. Yeah, and it's a little easier to sell. You know, <coughs> in town, bigger cities where it's a little easier to sell, they're probably, you know, their commissions will get eroded. But every business is like that. Like, mm-hmm. I got photography friends who are eating there, getting their lunch eaten. I mean, the dispatch got rid of their main photographer. You know, like, they'd still value it, but... They don't. They used to have three or four full time. Now they kind of have a couple part time people. You mm-hmm. know, and the reason why is because the cameras are damn good. Like I'm, I have a good eye, but I'm not a professionally trained photograph. And my last year at the newspaper, I won the highest award you can win for a photograph. Like, you know, and that was with a, a 12 megapixel camera. Imagine the 20 megapixel camera yeah. I have now. And I'm learning from watching YouTube videos. So other kids are learning. So that's why the. It's not that new, the newspaper and TV aren't valuable they're incredibly valuable because they create so much in the news and that's why they've survived this long mm-hmm. it's just that the price sometimes the prices are skewed and aren't worth and then they also have to get better at what they do like WCBI has leaps and bounds better on social media my friend Rachel Hurt sells ads for them now compared to where they were two years ago they're finally going oh wait instead of battling social media let's manage it they're like oh we'll do your Facebook and so many people don't want to do it or do it right they just pan it out and the newspaper has the dispatch's website even though visually it's a little dated it's functionally incredible so like they're way ahead on that they're doing good their traffic counts insane like they're I mean for their size newspaper they are now you know and so they're starting to figure it out you know I think that you know the papers Sun Herald on the coast Tallahatchie papers is way ahead of the game way ahead of the game on uh, social media stuff like they do Facebook live from anything they go to and you know like Dang, truck flips over on the bypass. If you're the, if you put it on Facebook Live, you'll get thousand views on it because mm-hmm. people are interested in what's happened there. Like, you know, I should have done a little video when I was at the cookie store, but somebody had already written a story about the cookie store being in a business. But if I had heard first, I'd be over there like, you're important. Make it funny and 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 back to the entrepreneurship. I didn't do enough research on your podcast, but back to the entrepreneurship thing, like. Who would know better than a 21-year-old kid about social media management? And if they don't know, they could spend an honest week. And I'm talking 10 hours a day watching YouTube, watching Gary Vaynerchuk, these Seth Godin, these other guys, and be more of an expert than almost anybody in town. That's what I did. I was waiting for my real estate license, and mm-hmm. I stumbled upon a couple guys. I'm like, oh, that makes sense. And, oh, document. Don't create. I'm like, oh, I got that. I'm like, now people would pay me to do business consulting or marketing consulting. I don't know how to put together a little fancy brochure, but it's on YouTube. I'm sure, I could, yeah, exactly. I'm sure I could look yeah. it up how to do it. Yeah, everything that I've learned with this podcasting are just things I need to do to my own personal vehicle. Yeah. To that. I mean, it's on YouTube. Yeah, my wife changed out our computer and her blower motor and her air conditioner minivan. My wife. She changes the pad, the screen on her iPad all the time. Like, anytime we have yeah. a problem, and very few things you can't do. And, yeah. Uh, you got to keep learning. Like, nobody, that information to this on YouTube, like you said. Well, nobody cares, and also nobody cares about your degree, nobody your lack of degree, whatever. They they want to know about your skills. The degree, I think, the degree thing in That's ten, 10 to fifteen years will be really tough. Like I don't know if it's going to matter much. Connections you make in college and stuff will matter. That that was what all what I saw was the thing when I've graduated from like Shelton State and I have a degree from the University of Mobile and what it is is pretty much you know somebody now. It seems like. Well, and also go find the people like I have regular interactions on Twitter with I'm talking about Gary Vaynerchuk who's got a million something followers mm-hmm. he only follows 10,000 people we're the same age so I was able to catch him but like guys who are the same age as me like Mark Marin, him Penn Jillette from Penn and Teller like mm-hmm. I can get to them like if I really need, if they're in in a certain town and I need to say hey you want to meet up for five minutes I know how to get to them yeah. like 
they, if you can know, there's a certain level of people, you're not superstar athletes and stuff, you're not going to get to. But, like, I made a joke about John Forcade, the old, old Miss quarterback. And I got his jersey when he played, after he played for the Saints, like, as a joke in the late 90s. Because, like, who would get a 4K jersey? Yeah. Well, like, we're friends on Facebook. You know, I wish him happy birthday. He wishes mine. He likes my posts every once in a while. Yeah. And, like, you know, and he knows a bunch of NFL players. And, like, you can, it's much easier to get to people. Like, if, you know, we have five families in the Golden Triangle that, average net worth it's like 800 million dollars like total you know one billionaire family co you can get to all of them there have been several rich people here who i've sat down and had lunch with them or dinner with them and didn't know who they were like somebody introduced me and i'm like oh so what do you do and he's like oh and so and so i'm like he's like it's a it's a billion billion dollar company i'm like oh, i'm sorry but like the mossy oak people are here like these are gigantic companies mm-hmm. like that are you know clark i mean Clark Beverage, the Brian Foods, Brian Money still sitting over there in West Point. Mm-hmm. The whole Waverly went under contract today. The the house, you know, like there are tons of people with tons of money and tons of the guy that patented the trolling motor lives in a little bitty house on sixteen Highway sixty nine South. That'd yeah. be a great interview. But like you can get to the those are local people, but forget yeah. that. Like you can get like if you want to meet your senator congressman here in mississippi it's so easy to get to like trent kelly's at his little office two days a week like like clockwork mm-hmm. he's a u.s congressman like i mean like you can these guys you can meet them if you follow me and you want to ask like hey when can i meet cindy hyde smith like she has been through here she's been in columbus five times in the last six weeks like you can it's such a cool time mm-hmm. in the united states where if you want to talk to somebody and ask some advice they'll get it very few people hide all their stuff behind paywalls on the internet and yeah. You can just learn, and as long as you're trying to not hit them up for stuff, man, they'll talk to you all day long. Because there's just, you know, what do they got nothing to hide? And there's so much info out there. So, I wanted to ask you about the in downtown the Antebellum home. Is it the Striped House? Is what? that what that is? The uh, the music venue that plays out of the Antebellum in downtown? Oh, Sunstroke House. Sunstroke. Yeah, Jamie Nettles runs that. If you look up. Uh, Sunstroke House Music on Facebook. Great. I've helped her with a couple events, but she got a big podcast. Uh, now, of course, I'm going to scramble the name here. Uh, T.O. I forget what it is. I'll tell you in a minute. You can link it on there. But okay. she won a national contest for their podcast, and like Great. one of their anchors is on uh, CBS Morning News like every Sunday. So it was, a, it was a pretty big deal. And she's got a Grammy Award winning guy coming November 16th. Mm-hmm. I plan to be there. Oh, really? Okay. Jamie knows me. I try to help her stuff. I mean, she's selling out the show. Yeah, Megan told me she's uh, trying to get a banner. Yeah. There. Yeah, because yeah, that's why I was like, you've got to do this one. Like, they have like 100 kind of hip college kids. Yeah. Like, this dude's got a couple Grammys who's coming to play in somebody's house in Columbus. Yeah, you know, like, it's pretty cool. Yeah, and she has a show like every three or four weeks. And then uh, a guy named Bob Raymond does it. He doesn't do as many, but he does five or six a year at his house. But, you know, a lot of it, like, I call it a, what's it called? Tiny desk type concerts, NPR, yeah, NPRs, yeah. NPR type stuff. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I've been to four or five, and she sponsors our events like at our house and stuff. And it's once you hear about it, it's cool. And look, they're happening everywhere. Like she's in a network with them, but they happen all over the state. I didn't know that. And uh, I don't know the biggest person she's had, Paul Swain or something. She's had some pretty big people, and you know they come through here, and you catch them at the right time, and you'll catch the catch the big. I mean, like my claim to fame is my me and my friends always joke about it but like we went to a DRI was a skateboard band back in the late 80s early 90s and it was it was the Red Hot Chili Peppers 1989 Red Hot, or 1990 the Red Hot Chili Peppers were opening for DRI oh man yeah and we all went and we did that and then some band freaking opened and like three years later my friend's like oh that band came out with an album I'm like who he's like 
DRI. I'm like, we know them. He's like, no, no, uh, the guy who mumbled. I'm like, Pearl Jam? He's like, yeah. And we go back and look at our ticket stubs. And, of course, in high school, we were like, yeah, we saw Pearl Jam like a year before their album came out, you know? Yeah. Nobody had any idea yeah. who they were, you know? But, of course, my memory of it's like, yeah, been yeah. hardcore since day one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, like, we didn't even know that they were there, you know? But yeah. But that's how you see, like, you go to these little shows and you see somebody. And, mm-hmm. But that's what I like about music. Like, yeah. now that it's a meritocracy, like, if you're good at music... You still need somewhat of a break, but there's a lot less people in a way. Mm-hmm. So many. Like, if you have a fan base, you can probably, if you worked hard enough and did enough shows, you can make a living. It would help being a bigger city where there's more venues yeah. and stuff like that. Because here, the 30 people can't pay your bills. Mm-hmm. But, like, you know, that's why, like, part of the big theory I took, I went to college for economics and business, but, like, I took the history of New Orleans music. And that was a big thing where, like, rock bands for a long time had a hard time coming out of New Orleans because you're the home of jazz or the birthplace of jazz. And so like, it was like better than Ezra and a couple other bands mm-hmm. like Marilyn Manson was functionally playing out of New Orleans for six years, but kept saying we're from Florida because the record executive was like, you don't have that New Orleans sound better than Ezra. Like we're from Baton Rouge. Well, one dude's from Baton Rouge, you know? Yeah. But now there's five or six bands that are like the big part of the folk scene, revivalists and stuff. Are I from like there. And it's because nobody was in the way. They did their own thing first. They went on that tour. And they, they've captured that New Orleans sound. Yeah, yeah. And they're there, and they're that one side of New Orleans thing. And, and so, like, you know, you don't have to be just a blues guy because you're from Mississippi. You mm-hmm. can be whatever, you know. And mm-hmm. There's less people to stand in your way. It's still really hard to become state, you know, without a, I don't know, a record contract. But I, I think two biggest things, yeah, I know you talk about music, so I get into this part of it. But the, yeah. I think the two biggest things in the last 30 years of music that changed it, you know, besides online streaming and all that crap, I think... Number one, which a lot of people don't realize because I saw it from the outside, was Nielsen SoundScan, the way they used to do the top 20 charts. Like in the mid-90s, they changed it to where it actually went. It was scanned music sold, not reports from record stores. Mm-hmm. You want to know why country music blew up? Because they started realizing that Garth Brooks was selling 10 million albums. Because before it was just recorded stuff. It was, in, it was college radio, country radio. There was no crossover. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden you go to Blockbuster in 1996 and they're actually counting it. Country music overnight went huge because guess what? There's money in it. And I think number two behind that, probably in the late 90s in New Orleans, was a huge part of it with Cash Money Records. The hip-hop community said, screw you. We don't need you to mm-hmm. be our record label. We don't need you to produce it. We'll build our own dang studio. And they did it, and it popped up all over the country. They sold the stuff out of their stuff, and now they have so much more ownership of it. Mm-hmm. Like, I know some country fans and a lot of other people don't like Toby Keith, but, like, that's what Toby Keith did. He said, no label like me, I'm going to do it. He did his own thing, did his honky-tonk records. He was one of the first country artists to do that, to be like, y'all don't like me, I'm doing it on my own. Mm-hmm. You notice how he, like, doesn't show up in all the Nashville awards, you know? That's because he was like, you know, like, I don't, I don't need you, I'll just do it on my own. And he's... Mm-hmm. So and then he got too big, and they're like, "Hey, Toby, yeah. we love you. Come on back." Yeah, but he owns, you know, used to have the production, you know, five tiers of music: with production, studio, recording, producing, publishing, radio, and they can keep three of them themselves when they had none of them themselves before, you know. And like the, the Cash Money guys almost bought Q ninety three, which is still like I think the highest percentage market urban radio station in the country down in New Orleans. They tried to buy it, wow. like when they had the money. I remember in like. 2000 that's not my favorite song bling bling dude bling bling they uh they had a the box like a station where you would i don't know if y'all had it up here but on cable where you paid 99 cents to play your song every time and you could you could rent a video so in in the year 1999 2000 for 99 cents you could go on like late night with your buddies and 
call the number and press the buttons or whatever, and you could play whatever video you wanted that was on the thing. You had to know the code and the little piece of paper they'd like fax you. Well, they played their name Bling Bling song for two weeks on the main cable station in New Orleans. And what can they do? They paid for it in K, like they paid up front. Like, mm-hmm. And now you can do that. Like if you had a song or an event in Columbus or an ad and you wanted every single person on Facebook and every single person on Instagram and every person on Twitter, you can do it. Nobody can stop you. Mm-hmm. You don't need to put it on CBI. You don't need the handlers mm-hmm. to dispatch. Nobody can get in your way. Now, should you advertise in there? Probably. But if you just want to go after that market, like I've decided, like I like to be everywhere, but I, if I can just get the Facebook crowd and dominate that, I'm going to do that and do the other stuff a little bit rather than trying to do everything all at once. Mm-hmm. You can buy like for... You could spend less than $500 and there wouldn't be a single person on Facebook who wouldn't at some point on a run given day go, get away. Like, not just run across it, like get mad. Like, what are you, get out of my newsfeed, Colin. You know what I mean? Like, uh-huh. and, and think about that. Like, Facebook doesn't charge more for Super Bowl Sunday. Here's my best marketing secret. They don't charge more for Alabama games. You know, people look at you know, views I get on houses and stuff when I do paid ads during Alabama games that's for Alabama that's viewers when I, po- I always post the episode right after yeah. the Alabama game yeah because <laughs> there are people looking like Thanksgiving's great mm-hmm. another trade secret here if you want to sell something put it up on Friday morning like if you if you had a cookie business or a food business or any business you could do the triple hustle like buy ads on Thanksgiving on Facebook targeted ads get on your desktop it's hard to do from your phone but like there's a Facebook where you can buy ads and a Facebook ads manager where you can see who used a MasterCard within two miles of your location in the last 72 hours to mm-hmm. buy food products. MasterCard, not Visa or anything else. And then target all them because, you know, build a profile of who's going to be out on Black Friday. Then you can go out on Black Friday and take really pictures of them waiting and do a little story because people, I mean, the most videos viewed videos in Lowndes County last year were people doing little videos from outside of Walmart saying how crazy it was. And if you just have some business or something you could sell, like if it's cold or if you think it's going to rain. Mm-hmm. I always thought when I was at Papa John's, we printed up a bunch of rain parkas. And I just bought some stencils and spray painted Papa John's Oxford's phone number on there. And we just keep 200 of them in the store. If it ever rained, we go out and hand them out. Like it rained two years ago on Black Friday. Like if you had... Colin Krieger, Remax, Parkas, or umbrellas you could give out. Like, you'd be real popular. Mm-hmm. At least for today. Yeah. It's, it's, it, <laughs> most, name you don't have to spend money. It's either. free advertisement. But yeah. you don't have to even spend money on that. I mean, you yeah. get, get dollar store Parkas. They are, their Dollar Tree has it for a dollar. And just hint them to the people and be like, hey, I'm so-and-so. Not trying to sell anything. But if you're trying to sell something, it's better. I don't know. It's People People are looking for easy. They're looking for, mm-hmm. I guess, mailbox money or whatever. But they just don't realize that it's... There's stuff that there, but man, if you put in the time, it's always there. Just like music. And the number one success factor in music is I heard Carlos Santana interview with him from a few years back. And he was talking about when he was, he almost failed out of high school because he was 16. He was playing so much. And when he was gra- last graduating high school, he's like, what are you going to do? He's like, I'm going to play with B.B. King, man. And they're like, huh, whatever. And he practiced and practiced and practiced mm-hmm. and practiced and volunteered to play and volunteered to play. And when B.B. King came to town, he played. And he gave him his demo, and he'd send, he'd send his demos to B.B. King over and over, and B.B. King sent him notes one time. So when he came to town, he got to play for him. Mm-hmm. And then nothing happened for three years. And he kept practicing, he kept practicing, he kept playing. And the booking agent had somebody canceled at the last minute who met him at that thing, and, and Santana had followed up and practiced and sent him his new updated tapes, and they hadn't replied to one of them in three years. He had sent like 60 tapes. And he calls him up and he's like, yeah, I just had somebody cancel. I need you to fly up here. You're going to need to get up here on a bus from yourself. And you got told tomorrow to do it. He goes, we'll pay for the ticket, though. And he's like, where am I going? He's like, it's uh, Woodstock. 
Like, because he worked and worked and worked and worked and worked. Mm-hmm. And other people are just like, oh, yeah, Santana guy is good at music. Like, you know, there's a story behind it. Yeah. Yeah. And he hard thought hard. he had his big break and then nothing. Yeah. You know, and he didn't realize that was really was his big break. It just took three years to develop. Three years. Yeah. And I've had people who called me two or three years from two or three years back, like, who've told me, like, you know, you knocked on my door four years ago and. I know I should have used you then, but I'm going to use you now. I see everything you're doing in the community. Like, cool. Let's, mm-hmm. let's talk, you know. And it's hard because any business you're going to get kicked in the teeth consistently. Or like you're going to post something and nobody will listen to your podcast. Or I told you the story about the, <laughs> I was on a podcast in the proudest moment of my entire year. And I've had a great year. And the guy said I did a phenomenal job. Yeah. And three people liked it. Like my mom, uh, Dewey Taylor, I love you. He likes everything I put on Facebook. And uh, like Joe Young, who likes everything I put on Facebook. <laughs> like, I'm like, I even told my wife, I'm like, what the heck? Yeah. She's like, oh, well, I mean, I was there. I'm like, but you know, because it was more self serving. If people don't care, they don't care. You know, yeah. you'll get a certain amount of likes just for being likes, but you can't get too too beat up about it. Man, as, yeah. a, as a business person, too, I hope I'm, I'm running over on your time. Oh, no. When you go back to entrepreneurship, when I had my restaurant in 2001, if I talk about Zachary's all the time. They do it perfectly, and we talk about it a lot. I know Doug. They put food on Instagram every day at 11 o'clock. Guess what happens in this office at 11 o'clock? Somebody's like, hey, we're going to Zachary's. I saw they got a grilled cheese today. I'm thinking about it. And 17 people like it. And you know who appreciates it? Doug, who's, I don't know, probably 52, 53 years old, who's like, who said it? He's like, what do they like my menu for? You know what I mean? Like, And he he's like, uh. how cool is that that 17 people like my business enough or like the food enough to like it? And most people would post it on narcissistically. And there's plenty of girls who are, I say girls, people who are developing disorders. Because, like, oh, only five people liked it and they delete it. Like, that's from a business standpoint, like, that's free. It's like, five it's, people. It's free. Like, those five people ain't running up to your house and get, like, you would have freaked out. Like, and that's why I say, like, the flip side of the thing with kids these days, they have more friends. There's Comic Con wouldn't be a thing if. Nerds didn't have that, a way to communicate. Was it the first time this was in this city? No, it was here the year before. So, but I did it. I was at Zachary's the day they were having it. I had no idea. Oh, you so coming in. They were coming in to eat. Well, you're gonna have to attach my video. I've done videos. <laughs> I did a video for the uh, Super Trooper guy. Oh wow! And so I did the meow video, except for Comic Con. Yeah, so we'll, we'll, yeah. We'll, you'll need to send me that video. And uh, <laughs> and it and it didn't go viral at all. Like I was pretty disappointed. I think it had thirty likes, a couple hundred views. Most yeah. people didn't see it. And now people are like, oh, I saw you sponsored the Comic Con. But, like, that's also some of the out-of-the-box thinking is yeah. that I went to Ducks Unlimited, which made me think about, oh, I need to do something for the library. And then I saw Comic-Con, I'm like, and I went to them, and I'm like, I don't think a realtor's ever sponsored a Comic-Con anywhere. Why would you? I'm like, yeah. it's a community event. It's a good thing. Then I didn't realize when I was there, like, nerds got money. You can call them nerds, whatever you want. Like, it's a focus group. The parents care deeply about their kids' interests. Mm-hmm. They go with them. It's expensive. They're math-oriented, which produces engineers. Like, dude, the engineering department, a couple of factories out there, they're all my kind of guys. They all love me because, and they all come up there like, why are you here? I'm like, oh, my brother's into it. Yeah. And he is, and he he's thrilled. He gets to meet all the voice actors, and I'm like, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know who they are. Yeah, cool. I knew who the comic, the gold super trooper guy was. Yeah. And then we went out drinking with him, and then I hooked him up with the police department and did a ride-along, and that had like 30,000 views. And he thanked me on it, and then a couple people That's from awesome. the police department liked me because of it, the mayor liked me because of it, sheriff's department liked it, cops, cops like, dude, it's so cool you hooked it up. And it's just like, that was my dream, like to go out and get drunk with the guy from Beer Fest, you know what I mean? Like, 
that was awesome. And it happened. Yeah. Like, it just yeah. as scripted, it happened. I was like, yeah, this is pretty cool. Like, <laughs> try doing that at the Atlanta Comic Con. You ain't going to stand out. You know, and mm-hmm. that's an advantage of here. Like, do you want to be, do you think you're going to be Pitbull and have 300 million fans and this that rapper guy? Yeah. Or do you, do you want to dominate a 100,000 person market and make a really good living? No matter what you do, if you were the best cookie person in town, you would dominate. Doug is one of the best caterers in town at Zachary's. He's a dominant force in catering, mm-hmm. more than he probably didn't want me to talk out loud about. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. He does affordable catering. He shows up every time. It's on time. It's good. It's right. And like any business, if you can do that, if you can be, you know, the Chick-fil-A reputation of they're not going to cause a problem, you know, or I'm sure why not was my philosophy in the restaurant business. I'd walk in and be like, like they answered everything, sure why not. They're like, what do you mean? I'm like, dude. Yeah, Papa John's is like, you don't shave, you don't tuck your shirt in, you don't follow any of the rules. But when somebody gets a complains about a wrong pizza, all of, all of a sudden you're defending the brand and you won't. I was like, just give it to them. They're like, what do you mean? I'm like, don't let them stop complaining. Mm-hmm. Send it to them. They're like, well, if they're scamming us, I'm like, we'll catch them by the second pizza. And people would start complaining and be like, okay, it's free. We're making another one. They're like, you don't understand. You know? I'm like, no, no, ma'am, it's, it's free. We're sorry. Mm-hmm. And they're like, I'm going to stay angry at you right now, like the Ricky Bobby thing. Like, yeah. I don't understand what you're talking about, so I'm going to keep acting tough. Yeah. If you don't argue with people, like, I mean, I have situations in real estate where I'm wrong and I just, or I'm right, but the people are mad at me. I'm like, okay, I'm sorry. And they're like, what? And I'm like, my bad. Let's fix it. And they're like, okay. And that, I mean, if you can solve that customer service part of it, and most, you know, and that's a harder part for smaller businesses because they maybe can't take the hit. But yeah. Amazon doesn't argue with you. Send something back, they tell their vendor, tough luck. You turn something to Walmart, Walmart doesn't take the hit. They send that vacuum cleaner back to the vacuum company. And it's just what people expect these days. I go to cookies because I mean, if I had to start a business on my own here, it'd probably be social media consulting. But if I had to sell a product, you know, and food's a little tougher than most things. But, you know, cookies, something you can do while you're doing another job other than like small flipping of things, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Or, they won't be listening to this podcast. I'll already have it by tomorrow. But somebody in Starkville was giving away. You type in free on Craigslist or Marketplace. It's awesome secret. You don't want to drive too far to get it. But, like, there was a basketball goal in Columbus that was free yesterday. Somebody could have gotten it. Yeah. Clinton washed it off, spent it 20 bucks, made it 50 and made Or given it to somebody and documented them donating and make an even better splash. But, like, somebody who had a decent, not like a professional level, but like a, a, big, a big green egg. Mm-hmm. Set up for their back porch. In average shape, not above average, not below average shape, but it's free. I'm going to be in Starfield tomorrow. They're in Starfield. They actually knew somebody I knew. We talked about back and forth how cool it was. Or they like all the stuff I do and all the events I do. And their girl makes the cups for all of my events. And I'm going to go there tomorrow. And then Saturday, I'm going to spend no more than 20 minutes, sand it down a little, stain it, and then either give it to somebody I know who's got a green egg or I'm going to sell it for 50 bucks. There you go. Nothing, and then my kids are going to watch that, and they're going to see him doing. I might take a picture and be like, "Hey, I got this for free." Sorry, Karen. <laughs> but the you know, and you can keep multiplying that. You can say that and teach your kids to take the money and go do something else, or you can find out what Karen, whatever her name is, I know her name. I don't want to say that loud, but Karen's charity is, and then donate twenty of that dollars to her charity. Say mm-hmm. what happened? Like you gave me that big green egg. I couldn't find anybody who needed. I fixed it up, made some money. Here you go. Yeah. And then don't, you know, she posted, she posted, or it doesn't matter, but she'll tell somebody else. Mm-hmm. And you did the right thing, and you you know. But I mean, there's plenty of people who give away stuff all the time. A lot of free firewood out there, but, yeah. you know, but there's free stuff that's out there that, you know, my kids, we've gotten free chairs and they've painted them and sold them. Yeah. Of course, it helps have a little kid like, I got a free chair. 
But there's plenty of things like that that are, you know, a little, they say $10, $20 piddling money, but what else are you really doing? Yeah, with your time at that point. Yeah, yeah. I, I said that when I was on the national podcast down there before the hurricane hit on the coast. We're in his basement, like, doing it. And he's like, how do you find time? Because I'll, I'll be number one or two in a number of deals here. that you 60 or 65 houses sold. Like, how do you find time to do it? I'm like, we're screwing around your basement doing a podcast. Like, I'm still going to go eat dinner with my family tonight and read them stories and study and watch a real estate training video. And then I'll wake up in the morning listening to podcasts while I'm walking. And mm-hmm. there's tons of time. Tons of time. Tons, tons of time. I don't watch a lot of TV shows. I guess that helps. But Yeah, I, I, that's, that's my thing is like when uh, friends or family ask me about the podcast, say, you work on it a lot. I don't, you don't have time for a lot of other things. So, yeah, I don't really watch a lot of TV or do with all the other things that you do in your free time. Yeah. I, put, I put my free time right here. Yeah. When well, you invest in it. It'll just <laughs> yeah. take, it, all of it takes time. Yeah. You know, Joe Rogan shows, I don't know, he's in his eighth or ninth year or something like that. Yeah, it's still number one. Yeah, yeah. but nobody cared about it for four years. Mm-hmm. I'll send you the video from Gary Vaynerchuk, but he's got an overnight success thing, and he's like, he goes, when I was on, he did a wine show. His dad owned a wine store. And his dad didn't, they're from the Soviet Union. And uh, dad worked at a wine store. They both worked at a wine store. His dad saved up his money and bought it. When he figured out the internet, he built it up to this $40 million business. Mm-hmm. He started doing a wine blog on YouTube. This is the guy that's Facebook Gary. And uh, he's doing a wine blog. And he's and I'm watching the video, and he's like 400 episodes into it. And I'm just like, you know, and like, the first 100 episodes average like six viewers, you know? Mm-hmm. And he gets to like 600 episodes and you see his confidence kind of growing. He's like, and he's like, and so I get on Conan O'Brien. He goes, I, he goes, none of you saw me before I was 30 years old. I challenge you to see me. He didn't start doing that blog. So he's 13 years now, you know? Yeah. And he gets on Conan O'Brien and everybody's like, man, you're so lucky. He's like, he goes, I remember, he goes, I emailed back every single one of those. Like, you can put that luck shit in your pocket. You know, where were you when I was skipping weekends? You were working, you were at the Jersey Shore playing. You were goofing off, Mm -hmm. you know. And he goes, I punted all that stuff and, you know, put my head down and did it. And I, like, there's days, like, I know I'm going out of town Wednesday and Thursday to a real estate conference on the coast. So I'm going to be here tomorrow night until 9. Like, my kids know, like, daddy's going to do that. That's my work. Mm -hmm. But Saturday and Sunday was all my appointments were playing with my kids because I knew I was going to be gone for two days. They just, the kids go to bed at 8. Mm-hmm. You know, I know plenty of people from nine to eleven, and I do it too. I'm not, I'm not knocking it. Like I'm not. I have a friend who makes candle, or makes a beard wax. You no, know, Ryan Munson travels around the country and goofs off. And they have the they sell their stuff over at Hooks, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they do. They end at the candle company too. He, yeah, he, I he, use their products. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. Munson's beard wax. Yeah, but uh, yeah, they do all. And he was a, literally like a stockbroker and just yeah. dropped out and that's his priority and like mine is in increments of time and he's a hard worker when he's working he's back, you know unplugged when he's not that's what he wants to do he realizes you only get your kids for 15 years and I'm gonna entertain them you know mm-hmm. and I don't judge other people's work-life balance either like the only time I get mad at people complaining I don't have time is because they're bitching as if like that's why they're not succeeding yeah you, you got time I mean one of the busiest agents in in Columbus does is going to do more did more sales than me last year i did 60 deals and she did 18 do you know what she did she spent 15 years building up a clientele of rich folks and doctors and stuff and that's all she deals with and they love her and she loves them and she's Mm -hmm. known for it and like i want that too you know that's great 
Yeah. But I don't knock her for, you know, other people are like, well, she only works like 15 hours a week. She doesn't deserve it. I'm like, according to the record, she's had her license for 21 years. Like, she put in time. Yeah. And there's, I mean, you can get little spurts of business from people just handing it to you or giving it to you. But like, New Orleans is a good example. You know, there's only, I think, now 11 family owned restaurants that are over 30 years old in the best restaurant city in the world. You know how hard it is, the pressure that, like, third generation Peter Himes has to feel the dispatch to run the newspaper? Like, to run a thing that, you know, most people don't want to go run their dad's newspaper or, you know, Gwen Brislin at Brislin Air Condition, like, I mean, or the military hardware people, like, where, you don't know if, I don't know if they want to do it or not, that's not what I'm saying, but they're doing it. Mm -hmm. And it's an abnormal amount of pressure. Yes, it's cool knowing that if everything went to crap, your house is paid for, or dad might give you some money. But I don't besmirch somebody because their grandfather outworked my grandfather. Yeah. You know, now there's some extenuating factors in Mississippi when you get like, you know, black folk grandfathers couldn't have outworked, you know, they didn't have a chance. That's what sucks. But the, I don't get mad at somebody because their parents had a lot of money or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I get more mad at them when they complain though, you know, you know, when they're like, oh, it's tough. I'm like, well, you don't have a house note. So, yeah. But there are greater pressures. I mean, that's why a lot of rich folks commit suicide because they're, you know, they're trying to be as successful as their parents. Luckily for my kids, they ain't getting nothing from me. I'm going to spend it all. Do you hear that, girls? Nothing. <laughs> that's great, man. Colin, thank you uh, for sitting in with me, brother. I had a good time, man. Yeah, man. Well, until next time, I uh, appreciate you. All right, bud. Well, all right, guys. Thanks for hanging out. And for those of you in on the Alabama Gulf Coast, specifically Baldwin County. Sean Suttle Lawn Care. Uh, it's based out of Foley. Does great work. He's a musician. <laughs> uh, support it. Support it. And so on top of that, uh, a buddy of mine out in Memphis, Taylor Richards, mrfapparel.com, clothing company, uh, I don't want to talk too much about the backstory. I hope to have him on to talk about it eventually. And so just check that out. Give it a look. While we're talking about entrepreneurship and business, these are some of my friends. And if you're in that area, and give it a shot. Well, all right, I'm going to shut this thing down. And since we were talking about the Revivalist, they've done a cover of the Bee Gees, one of my favorite songs, To Love Somebody. And so we're going to shut this thing down with that. All right, folks, thanks again for hanging out. There's a lion, certain kind of lion. It never shone on me And I want my life to be Oh, to live with you To live with you And there's a way Everybody say Oh, to do each and every little 
thing But what does it bring If I don't have you <laughs> Well baby if I don't have you Cause you don't know what it's like Nah, you don't know what it's like To love somebody To love somebody well, The way I love you In my brain I see your face again And I know my frame of mind You ain't gotta be so blind But baby I'm blind I'm so very, very blind But I'm a man <laughs> Can you see what I am? And I live and I breathe for you But what good does it do? If I ain't got you Come on baby If I ain't got you You don't You know What it's like mm. well, You don't Know What it's like To love somebody love somebody or the way that I love you bling bling